Good morning. Countdown, the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics now just 24 hours away. Overnight, our first look at women's gymnastics. Simone Biles putting on a show before the games even begin, while the women's softball team notches a second straight victory. In the United States, has a 1-0 win over Canada. The games forging ahead even as more athletes test positive for COVID. Savannah is live in Tokyo with the last minute preps and her partner for the big kickoff, Mike Tarico. Our only shot with COVID cases skyrocketing, President Biden makes a new plea. If you're vaccinated, you're not gonna be hospitalized, you're not gonna be in an ICU unit, and you're not gonna die. Hospitals once again filling up, straining frontline workers. The nurses we do have are getting burned out. Morale is starting to turn. As more cities say it is time to bring back masks. We're live with the very latest. Chaos on Capitol Hill. The investigation into the January 6th attack gets ugly before it even begins. It's an egregious abuse of power. Democrats and Republicans battling over who gets to be involved and how to move forward. We're live in Washington. Feeling the burn, smoke from those western wildfires blanketing millions from coast to coast, creating hazy, unhealthy air. Al's going to tell us when those skies might clear. All that plus winner, winner chicken dinner with trophies in tow. NBA champ Giannis Antetokounmpo celebrates his epic 50-point performance at the drive-through. 50, exactly. Not 51, not 49. Chicken minis, yes. And sets off an impromptu celebration today, Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie, live from Tokyo, Japan, and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hey guys, welcome to today. So happy you're joining us on a Thursday morning. Craig's here with me, and I cannot believe it. Finally, 24 hours from night right now. You know what we're yeah. going to be doing? Eating some popcorn, watching Savannah Guthrie and Mike Tarico do the opening ceremonies, and we've seen some dazzling sights already, guys. Final preps underway. Meanwhile, overnight, Dr. Jill Biden touching down there in Japan. She, of course, leading the official U.S. delegation at those games. But I need to see them. Where are those two? The two co-hosts, Savannah and Mike Tarico. We're going to get all the details from them in just a second. But Savannah, we're going to start off and we're going to see some of Team USA stars prepping for their events. It's really happening. It is, and it's really starting to feel like the Olympics are here. And what a sight to behold overnight. The greatest of all time, finally back on an Olympic floor. Simone Biles and her teammates moving past that COVID scare and looking ahead to their pursuit of gold. Overnight, our first look at the U.S. women's gymnastics team gearing up for competition in Tokyo. The six-person squad, led by Simone Biles, soaring through their podium training, a chance to practice the skills they've spent years perfecting before competition officially begins. Simone leaping through the air as only she can. Suni Lee, Jordan Childs, Grace McCallum, and individual competitors Michaela Skinner and Jade Carey perfecting those moves. On the softball field, Team USA notching their second win against Canada. And on the pitch, all 16 men's soccer teams getting in on first round action. 
while the U.S. women plot a comeback after their stunning opener loss. A post on the team's Instagram page reading, our belief is greater than any single result, eyes ahead. Overnight, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden arriving in Japan, leading this year's American delegation to the games as the world anxiously awaits tomorrow's opening ceremony. Olympic organizers trying to prevent crowds, urging local fans against traveling to see the Olympic cauldron amid the city's COVID state of emergency. And overnight, the Japanese creative director of the opening ceremony was fired over offensive jokes he made years ago when he was a comedian. And despite a handful of American athletes already testing positive for the virus, a bit of good news from USA Basketball, announcing Chicago Bulls star Zach Levine has cleared COVID protocols and will join the team in Tokyo this afternoon. Let's bring in NBC Olympics primetime host and my partner for the opening ceremony, which will be taking place 24 hours from now, Mike Tirico. Hi, Mike. It's less than 24 hours. I we know. have to get back to studying. We've been spending you know? a lot of time oh. together. Let's talk about, first of all, the COVID situation. Mm -hmm. Just in the last 24 hours, we've heard about more athletes in the Olympic Village testing positive. How worried are the Olympic organizers? I mean, is there still a chance this thing falls apart? I think a lot would have to happen for it to fall apart. It feels like step by step. It reminds me, Savannah, of the bubbles starting in sports when COVID was really raging in the U.S. last year, where you come across a few early and you go, oh my goodness, is this a house of cards? But then as the competition went on, the testing was working. So they're being tested daily for a reason to see if there is an outbreak or a spread. Uh, so far, look, one bad, one case and losing one athlete is disappointing personally for that individual. Overall, right now, it hasn't spread, and that's a good sign. So certainly we'll watch the next couple of days. Have we seen some of the teams, including Team USA, make adjustments to how they're training, how they're living together? No doubt. I, I think everyone's being very careful and cautious. Make sure we don't wipe out an entire team with contact tracing. It, it's almost like turn your mind back nine months or ten yeah. months in what we were doing back in the States. And the rest of the world is having to do that and is still having to do that in large part. Now, the thing I'll be interested to watch is in the opening ceremony, will we see distancing when the athletes walk in. Will we see some athletes not walk because they don't want to go through the concerns of being around a lot of athletes? We'll still see a lot of folks, but I don't know if we'll see as many as we normally do. Can we please talk sports? Absolutely. It's the Olympics. Yes. What a stunner yesterday. Oh boy. USA women's soccer went down it, and it was a rout. Yes. It was not pretty. What happened? Well, Sweden is the team that knocked them out of the Olympics five years ago in Rio. So they know Sweden's good and they've played good matches with Sweden in between. This is the match they wanted to start. They had their full Why? attention because they had their full attention. Okay, let's erase the disappointment of five years ago. And Sweden completely outplayed them. I haven't seen the U.S. women's soccer team play a match like that in 10, 15 years. They're not out of it. That's the big news. They're not out of it. It's round robin. If they get into the knockout phase, they'll still have a chance to win. But they, they got to be pretty much perfect from here on But out. they know that, and they can do that. Yeah. Let's talk about softball. Mm -hmm. Bright spot. They've already had two big wins, women's softball. Right. Before the opening ceremony, they're 2-0. <laughs> oh. uh, softball's been out of the, the program at the Olympics for some time. It's not in for Paris. So for many of these players, this might be their only chance. A good win over Italy, a win over Canada. So they've got two in the good side, and they have a great chance to face Japan for the gold medal when all is said and done in softball. Now, you and I have both been sworn to secrecy, but Mike, come on, just tell, just whisper it in my Nobody's ear. Nobody's here. Talk about the opening ceremony, just, just among friends. 
How would you, I mean, for what we can say, how would yeah. you describe what people should expect tomorrow morning when they turn on their TVs and for the first time ever, we're going to broadcast it live. You I can know. watch the opening ceremony with your coffee. That's right. Wake up with the family, a little geography lesson yeah. for teacher Savannah and <laughs> sub-teacher Mike. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to fit the moment because this is a different celebration. We're celebrating the fact that we hope the world can get back to where we enjoyed it three, four years ago, pre-COVID-19. But it's also a serious time here. And I think what we'll see in that stadium will be something that's tone appropriate. It'll have its moments. Uh, every opening ceremony has those memorable moments. And I think there are a couple in store. Uh, but I do think it's the first chance to really see the world together in one place, 206 nations and delegations since COVID-19 hit. That moment alone, just as we've talked about the last couple of days, that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, and it's beautiful. I'll yes. add that. Yes. Mike Tirico, we'll see you tomorrow. Can't Get a wait. good night's sleep, you my too. friend. You too. And just in case you needed the reminder, you can watch the opening ceremony right here in all of the Olympic action. It starts tomorrow on NBC, all the networks of NBC, including Peacock. And it's followed tomorrow by a special edition of Today, hosted by my good friends, Hoda and Craig. Back to you. And you too, girl. You're yes. part of that too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And you walked the perfect line there. Yeah. You walked it perfectly, not revealing. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Good. We like I'm not going to get marched out. <laughs> now, we'll catch up with you again in the uh, next half hour. All right. Meantime, All right. Uh, as we said, COVID concerns are growing here at home. Hospitalizations and deaths continue to rise, especially in areas where vaccination rates are really low. This, as a new federal report shows, life expectancy here in the U.S. fell by, on average, one and a half years in 2020. By the way, that's the steepest decline since World War II. NBC's Morgan Chesky has more from Dallas. Hey, Morgan, good morning. Hello, good morning to you. And this is really shaping up to be a daunting situation. Health officials say here in Texas, the South and Midwest, the Delta variant causing a tidal wave of new infections. We are seeing hospitals that are seeing not just double, but triple the number of patients in just the last month. And nearly all of them are unvaccinated. This morning, with the Delta variant spreading like wildfire, the CDC finds more than 97% of patients hospitalized and nearly 100% of those who've died are unvaccinated. The president pleading with the public. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. In Alabama, only about a third of the population is fully vaccinated. New cases up now 738% in the last two weeks. One doctor there going viral in an emotional Facebook post, writing of her patients who have passed away from COVID. One of the last things they do before they're intubated is beg me for the vaccine. I hold their hand and tell them that I'm sorry, but it's too late. Dr. Brittany Cobia adding that she tells families the best way to honor their loved one is to go get vaccinated. And in Louisiana, where the vaccination rate is among the lowest in the nation, Hospitalizations have spiked 186%. Not being vaccinated is just like driving on a red light. You put yourself at risk, but other people around you at risk. Now ICUs from Missouri to South Carolina are filling up with the unvaccinated sick. At Lexington Medical Center, patient Almanzo Cormer didn't get inoculated and ended up hospitalized for nearly two months. Go ahead and get the vaccination. Because the COVID is for real. Many healthcare workers are falling ill too, with an estimated one in four still unvaccinated. Also at risk, children under 12 who are still ineligible for the vaccine. While kids and teens represent only about 16% of cases and a tiny fraction of deaths, their stories can be heartbreaking. 
25-year-old Wyatt Gibson contracted COVID along with his father and baby sister. His parents say he had no underlying health conditions, but last week they say the virus took his life. Wyatt's father posting on Facebook, I have lost my best friend. And this morning, we are seeing growing calls to reimpose mask mandates all across the country. In fact, the White House is now considering whether or not to tell vaccinated Americans to go ahead and mask up yet again. That's according to The Washington Post. And President Biden weighing in on the return to school, saying that the CDC will likely recommend that children under the age of 12 still ineligible for the vaccine to mask up in the classroom. Hoda. All right, Morgan Chesky for us there in Texas. Morgan, thanks. To Washington now, where Congress's effort to investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol has turned into another political battle. On Wednesday, Speaker Pelosi rejected two Republican picks to serve on a special committee to investigate the attack. Republicans responded by pulling out of the committee almost entirely. NBC's Garrett Hake is following it all from D.C. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning. Yeah, Democrats are clear. Their investigation into what happened here on January 6th will go forward as planned, even as party leaders battle over who exactly gets to do the investigating. This morning, the congressional investigation into January 6th in chaos, crumbling under the partisan political pressure that grips Washington. Republicans now refusing to participate after Speaker Pelosi announced she won't seat two GOP members, Ohio's Jim Jordan and Indiana's Jim Banks, who had been outspoken critics of the investigation. It springs from the statements and actions of the two members. The lone remaining Republican on the committee defending the Speaker's decision. She has objected to two members, uh, and the rhetoric around this from the minority leader and from those two members has been disgraceful. The minority leader now calling the entire process a sham. It's an egregious abuse of power. Pelosi has broken this institution. President Biden weighing in overnight. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. <laughs> the fact is, you can't look at that television and say nothing happened on the 6th. You can't listen to people who say this was a peaceful march. Meanwhile, the investigations into January 6th continued beyond the halls of Congress. More than 535 people have been arrested for crimes related to the attack. And on Monday, Paul Hodgkins, the first rioter convicted of a felony, was sentenced to eight months in prison. The Department of Justice also releasing new body camera video this week of rioters attacking police officers with a flagpole. In newly released audio from an interview in March with Washington Post reporters Phil Rucker and Carol Lenning for their new book, I Alone Can Fix It, former President Trump described the crowd that had been in his Washington speech preceding the riots like this. There was a loving crowd too, by the way. There was a lot of love. And said of the rioters. Personally, what I wanted is what they wanted. They showed up um, just to show support. Those attacks on police will take center stage on Tuesday morning. That's when the committee is set to hold its first hearing. Their witnesses, four police officers who battled with rioters on the Capitol on the 6th. Craig? Garrett Hake from the Capitol. Garrett, thank you. Meantime, it is another smoky start to the day. Coast to coast, dozens of wildfires still burning out of control out west. And that is impacting air quality for folks all the way on the other side of the country. NBC's Carrie Sanders is in Charlotte, North Carolina with more. Hey, Carrie, good morning. 
Well, good morning, Hoda. You know, the air quality data that is gathered here only goes to confirm what folks in the Midwest and to the east already know when they step outside, take a deep breath and look up. The skies are somewhat hazy. The air feels somewhat heavy. You know, the real time air quality index data that's gathered by this equipment should be green. Instead, it's showing up as yellow and it's fast approaching a warning level of red. From the Midwest to the Mid-Atlantic and parts of the South, this morning, hazy horizons brought on by smoke from those massive wildfires out West. The largest one, the bootleg blaze in Oregon, less than 40% contained. So big and hot, it's creating its own weather, including wind and dry storms. Sending that smoke in towards parts of the northern plains and then right down into the middle part of the country and eventually over towards the east coast where we've been seeing it for days. All that smoke creating air quality warnings for millions in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. People with respiratory conditions advised to stay inside. On the National Mall in Washington, a blanket of haze amplifying DC's notoriously humid summer days. I was having a little trouble with trying to catch my breath and breathing, and I just thought I was overheated, but now I can, you know, really see that it's not just from the heat, but it's from the haze as well. It makes it feel a lot more humid almost. Yeah, it's got very humid. The air's very sticky then. Scientists say these extreme fires are another example of our changing climate. The impacts of climate change may be seen in many different ways, including droughts, floods, increased storms, wildfires, both in terms of extent and intensity. When it comes to the warnings, the experts say with the air quality, most of those involved that will be impacted are in sensitive groups like older Americans and kids. Health officials say it's okay for kids to go outside and continue to play, but if they have shortness of breath or they begin coughing, recognize that and maybe bring them inside. All, right. All right, some good advice there. Carrie Sanders for us there. Carrie, thank you. All right, Mr. Rooker, standing by. We were talking mm -hmm. about it yesterday. We're talking about it again today. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, and again, this is climate related because things slow down and you don't see much change in the atmosphere. In fact, you take a look right now. This plume of smoke is following the jet stream up to the north and then into the mid-Atlantic and continues on into the east. This plume is concentrated from the upper Midwest on into the Carolinas, and it corresponds with the air quality problems from Elizabeth City, Raleigh, on into Charleston, Cleveland, Lima, Ohio, Lima, Ohio, Indianapolis, Memphis, and on into Chicago. So we're going to be watching this for at least one more day. And this climate connection, this amplified jet stream, leads to slower moving, more extreme events. That's why we've had that heat wave out west. Glasgow, Montana, 110. Salt Lake City, 17th day of 100 plus degree reading. Then you move across the Atlantic. They had that big storm in Germany, the flooding. It was stuck under this big ridge, a one in 100 year rainfall event, five to six inches of rain. And then as we just started seeing yesterday, Zhengzhou in China, 31 inches of rain, a year's worth of rain in three days, a one in 1,000 year event, strong storms today up to the north. And we're going to be talking about these monsoonal moisture in the next half hour. This could be leading to some really big flooding over the next several days. That's your latest 
weather. I know, Hoda, you were saying you had a great sun sunset last night at your yeah. house. The problem is, whatever a lot of folks see in there, that's the haze. That's so right. even so though it's beautiful. Sun, and that real red moon yeah, people are seeing. Great that's, to look at, bad to breathe. Got it, got it. All right, Al, thank you. Coming up, while you were sleeping, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, made her first appearance in Tokyo. We're going to check in on Simone Biles and the rest of the women's gymnastics team as they get ready to chase gold. And then a little bit later, an inside look at just how vaccine misinformation spreads online and what one expert says is the real reason it's so hard to stop. But first, this is today on NBC. We are back now, 7.30 on this Thursday morning, July 22nd, 2021. And today happens to be Prince George's eighth birthday. The royal family releasing this photo to celebrate. You can see Prince George there sitting on the hood of a Land Rover. And that Land Rover, by the way, a favorite car of his late great-grandfather, Prince Philip. We're told his mom, the Duchess of Cambridge, actually took that picture just a few days ago, snapped the photo herself. Can't believe he's eight. I feel Seriously. like we just watched them coming out of the hospital yeah. with that little baby. All right, guys, let's move on now to our 7.30 headlines. Victims and families of the condo collapse in Surfside, Florida, will get a minimum of $150 million in compensation initially. That sum includes insurance money and the expected proceeds from the sale of the Surfside property. It does not include payouts from any of the numerous lawsuits filed since the collapse that left at least 97 people dead. Meantime, nearly one month after that tragedy, a massive pile of rubble has now been removed and relocated to a different site. Harvey Weinstein pled not guilty in a Los Angeles courtroom on Wednesday to 11 counts of rape and sexual assault. The disgraced movie mogul was extradited to California earlier this week. Weinstein was convicted in New York last year of sexual assault and rape and was sentenced to 23 years in prison. His attorneys are appealing that conviction. The Milwaukee Bucks will celebrate their NBA championship later this morning with a big parade in downtown Milwaukee. But a lot of people are still talking about how the finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo celebrated his first title. You know what he did? He went to Chick-fil-A, of course. So on Wednesday, Giannis jumped in his car, taking both the championship and MVP trophies <laughs> with him. He shared the entire journey on Instagram Live. Check it There's out. There's 150,000 people watching you right now. Really? Yes. So can I, can I have, please, a 50-piece Mac Minis? 50, exactly. Okay. Not 51, not 49. <laughs> Chicken Minis, yes. 50. <laughs> and then the party started. 50 chicken minis, one for each point he scored in the sixth in the deciding game at the NBA Finals on Tuesday. And, boy, that place is going to be rocking. So here's the thing. I mean, yeah. Giannis, the MVP, yeah. how about that uh, that, that drive-through yeah. uh, operator there? She also cool. the MVP. Cool as a cucumber. Unflappable. Uh, she was. All right. Let's go back to Tokyo where the action is really happening. Hey, Savannah. Hi, guys. Well, yes, the excitement really is growing here in Tokyo. By the way, basketball is going to be big here. And we're also getting our first look at Simone Biles and the women's gymnastics team in action. NBC's senior national correspondent Tom Yamas has more on that. And Tom has been out and about. You're out of quarantine. Morning. Good to see you. Good morning. Good evening. I'm, I'm not sure what it is here, but yeah, I'm out of quarantine. It's great to see you here, too, Savannah. So let's just give the people what they want. And that's more Simone Biles, more Team USA. All eyes will be on these outstanding young women, fierce competitors, and you can see it in their eyes even during practice. This morning, with just one day to go before the opening ceremony, Simone Biles and Team USA drilling down in practice and giving the world a look behind the scenes. 
Biles warming up on the uneven bars and on the balance beam, practicing those acrobatic skills and showing off some explosive moves. That beam's width smaller than an iPhone. Biles drawing applause from coaches and fist bumps from fellow teammates and reminding us with this vault, even though it's a practice run, why she's the GOAT. The session taking place in Tokyo at the brand new Ariaki Gymnastics Stadium. Michaela Skinner practicing her floor routine, going airborne with a perfect landing. And Suni Lee showing off her mesmerizing skills on the uneven bars. Team USA also posing for photos along with their coaches, seeming to be in good spirits. Even though one of their own, alternate Kara Aker, now in quarantine after testing positive for COVID. Competition gets underway this Saturday, and excitement is building here and outside the Olympic Stadium, where the opening ceremony is taking place. We found lines of people taking photos by the Olympic rings. What are you most uh, excited to see? I mean, the opening ceremony tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see the performance. Though most polls in Tokyo show a majority of people in favor of postponing or canceling the games, the fans we spoke to here want to watch the games but understand the reasoning behind the strict COVID measures. I wish people can watch it directly, but I think for the current condition, this is the wisest one. That, yeah, the they, wisest decision. The wisest decision that they made, I guess, yeah. Nice to hear some people here in Tokyo excited about the games, but we know there are still serious concerns surrounding the pandemic. Before I go, one more Olympic gymnastics note. This just in, Simone Biles posting this pic on her Twitter account after warm-ups today. The caption reading, little did you know, OG means Olympic grandmas. Savannah, Simone Biles is 24. Michaela Skinner is also 24. If their OGs were OGGs, I oh, think. Oh, I mean, we're like so beyond. I yeah. mean, that's what passes for grandma at the Olympics. Right. Tom, thank you so much. Appreciate yeah. it. So, guys, we'll send it back to you. Hey, SG, before we let you go, we, we know you've been limited to where you can go because of the COVID restrictions, obviously. What have you been up to, like, to get through the day? What you been doing? Well, you know, I told you guys the other day that you're allowed to go for a 15-minute walk every day. So one of the things you can do, and I cannot wait to introduce you to this Marvel. It's a convenience <laughs> store. It's called Lawson's, and it is incredible. I think we have some video. Okay, this is we're just walking. This is right by our hotel, guys. Look at this convenience store. It's amazing. They have, like, literally, look at all that. That's all different kinds of ramen. They sell shirts. They sell every kind of candy, every kind of wasabi peas. There's an entire Hello Kitty section, Hoda, for you. I mean, it's just incredible. But here's the other thing that was like an absolute incredible find. Right behind me there, mm -hmm. yeah. there are these chicken nuggets that apparently were Anthony Bourdain's favorite chicken nuggets, his favorite wow. thing to eat yeah. in all of Tokyo. I have some right here. And? Okay. These are Anthony Bourdain's chicken nuggets, delicious. He also loves the egg salad sandwich, supposed <laughs> to be great. Another thing, guys, um, this is famous in Tokyo. Oh, it's so I'd sticky. What rainbow, is giant rainbow uh, cotton candy, oh, wow. which is what you, it's perfect for Instagram. It's made here in Tokyo. You can get some, it's delicious. So you will not be starved here in Tokyo. We're, we've got everything we need. Um, and then, of course, I had—I told you you can't go to the gym or anything. Yeah. So I've been telling you that you, you're going to have to create your own workout. So I then... No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. As promised. No. Aerobic, step aerobics. Remember the 90s? 
They were good to all of us. I did some aerobics in my hotel room. I'm planning it. on teaching you guys these moves. Okay. So hurry up and get here already. Go, Jane Fonda, go. Okay, wait. Um, I want to see the set because I feel like we've seen a oh. tight shot of you. Will you show us? Yeah. Well, this is my first day actually on our big set okay. that we're going to be on. So, okay, I'm going to give you a tour. I'll just, I'm going to keep, I, this is actually stuck to my hand now. Like, I can't. I'm going to sleep with it. So. Over here is where we're gonna sit, okay? okay. Isn't it pretty? Now, uh, then, oh, and you can see, we're by all the venues. That's beach volleyball over there, yeah. and over there the triathletes are gonna be, actually, uh, I think starting tomorrow, maybe. And over here we'll have guests and things like that. We've got these beautiful trees. Look at these gorgeous Japanese lanterns. We have these wind chimes, so beautiful. actually you might hear the little tinkle of wind chimes during our set. Like, I don't think this is ever coming off. And look over there. Is this a little taste of home, a Statue of Liberty, which was actually oh. given uh, and put up, you know, it's not as big as our Statue of Liberty, but it's pretty big, 20 years ago uh, to honor the relationship between Japan and France. Oh. So for now, <laughs> I will send it back to wow. you. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. it's never coming you off. Ever. The impression that, that Esther's getting a little delirious? <laughs> yeah, it? I think it's happening. A little delirious. Savannah, <laughs> we can, good luck. That's okay, never. Got it. Oh, yeah. oh, great. Good. I'm good. And now she's, a, she's a smoke. <laughs> nice talking to you. All nice right. talking to you. Still ahead here yeah. on a Thursday morning. Inside the battle to stop vaccine misinformation from spreading online and why it's a lot harder to do than you might think. We'll have that for you when we come back right after this. This morning, we are going in-depth on how vaccine misinformation spreads on social media. The Surgeon General recently war warned that that actually has become an epidemic. Yeah, NBC News investigative and consumer correspondent Vicki Wen uh, took a deeper dive mm -hmm. to try and understand the scope of the problem and just why it's so hard mm -hmm. to stop it, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, we know that there are key things that we can all do, but with so much that's now online, it's certainly bigger than talking just to each other in real life. This morning, our eye-opening conversation with someone on the inside. He's an expert who studies misinformation and just how it spreads so quickly online. He also advises Facebook. He's revealing to us just how much more he thinks social media companies can do to share facts and stop bad information from spreading. This morning, an intense push to vaccinate as COVID numbers rise across the country. Vaccine misinformation is also spreading online. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we easily found dozens of posts promoting theories the vaccines alter your DNA, diminish fertility, and even make you magnetic. According to multiple public health agencies and doctors, that information is false. It's so bad, the Surgeon General issued a rare formal advisory, usually reserved for warnings on tobacco, drugs, and obesity. Today, we live in a world where misinformation poses an imminent and insidious threat to our nation's health. Facebook, which also owns Instagram, fired back in a blog post titled Moving Past the Finger Pointing, saying when we see misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines, we take action against it, citing more than 2 billion people have viewed authoritative information about COVID-19 and vaccines on Facebook. Twitter agreed with the Surgeon General's advisory, tweeting, as the COVID-19 pandemic evolves around the world, we'll continue to do our part to elevate authoritative health information. How is it possible that we can all look at the same facts and arrive at radically different conclusions? Sander Vanderlinden is a professor of psychology at Cambridge University in England. He studies how falsehoods spread online 
He also advises Facebook to help the company debunk misinformation on everything from COVID to climate change. What did you think of the U.S. Surgeon General's statement? It was a very strong and important statement. Misinformation about vaccines can harm public health in, in several ways. He said that although the social networks have taken significant measures to quash false statements, their algorithms give misinformation more chances to go viral and infect the public. Finding anti-vaccination groups on Facebook is harder than it used to be, but look what happens when we're on one of these pages. Facebook's formula wants to keep us engaged, so it shows us more related pages with groups that have questionable vaccine information. And a similar experience here on Twitter. When we start on the page of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a prominent vaccine critic, Twitter shows us we might like other profiles with people who are critical of vaccines. Multiple studies found polarizing posts tend to generate more likes, comments, and shares, which means more people will see these types of posts. What should they be doing? Well, one of the things that should be looking into is how to reward uh, people for sharing accurate information. But he warns social media companies may not be motivated to erase all misinformation. Because that's the way their business model runs, is they, they profit off of engagement. And if negative content is what promotes engagement, then that's not going to change. And they want to be part of the solutions as long as it doesn't harm uh, the profitability of the platform. So what can you do to reduce junk information? Get your news from diverse sources. Don't engage in online debates, which can boost engagement and spread misinformation further. Instead, create a new post and share accurate information while addressing the myths. While the Surgeon General's warning targeted social media companies, he said we all have some responsibility, from doctors to teachers and certainly journalists as well. Yeah, that was an education. Yeah. It really was, Vicky. Thank you. Thanks, Vicky. All right, Mr. Roker, 747, how about another check of the weather? Well, we're going to start in the southwest where we've got flash flood watches out because we're going to see more of that moisture coming up out of the south, that monsoon moisture. In fact, the season is lasting a little longer than usual. Rainfall rates, two inches per hour, so we're probably going to see some flood there. Also, a lot of heat up through the plains with temperatures getting into the 90s from Billings, Fargo, Minneapolis, down to Omaha, North Platte, Nebraska. Friday, starting to move to the east. Feels like 102 in Minneapolis, 100 in Des Moines, 96 in Flagstaff. And look at these temperatures into next week from Cincinnati, St. Louis, Nashville, Richmond, on into Atlanta. Temperatures in the 90s. You factor in the humidity, though, and we've got triple digits to talk about right on into the beginning of next week. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Mr. Roker. Thank you. Coming up, she's all about that base, and she's also all about that baby. My exclusive conversation with Megan Trainer, her husband, Daryl, all about parenthood. Check out that beautiful baby boy. It's O'Reilly. We'll meet him Aww. coming up right after this. So Jason, Jason Sudeikis is Ted Lasso co-star Brendan Hunt. They're going to join us live. Look oh. who we've got Looky, there. Looky, who we got, Carson. Yeah, I'm working from home, guys. Sorry, I got my hands full this morning. Uh, but we've got a huge announcement from the Rolling Stones after a quick check of your local news. Goldie. We just weather. care about Goldie. Come on, Goldie. Goldie. Come on. Coming up next, your 8 o'clock hour.